And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. I know, I know, I know. All right. I may have to go back to... I may have to go back to my usual, my regular old-fashioned cans, my headphones, my... My little earbuds keep grabbing my collar. Welcome, everyone. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor-in-chief here at Sci-Fi for Me. 33 years in media, in desperate need of a haircut, and boring to boot. Because I am. Because I am. I have been told... I am bored. Not by Mrs. Boss. But I will leave that for you to have an opinion. If you have an opinion, uh, you can share that in the chat, the comments, the email address, sci- uh, live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. Uh, you can find us on all sorts of social media channels, accounts, Various different video platforms. If you have something that you want to mail to us for a review, whether it's a book or a comic book or a video, uh, our mailing address there on the screen, as well as our tip jar link. You can sign up for our newsletter. And if you prefer, you can listen to this show on several podcast platforms including Stitcher and Spotify and iHeart and and uh, let's do that and let's do that and let's do that um so podcast platforms that's where we are <sighs> hello everyone i know i know i know we were supposed to be on a break and we were on a break but we we have what I think you could describe as the Rush Limbaugh effect. Because every time Limbaugh ever took a break, went on vacation, stuff happened. And we took a break and stuff happened. So I, you know, I'm, I'm sitting around and I'm thinking to myself, self, stuff happened. Should probably talk about it. Let me uh, let me address something here. All right. So, I have been told, I have been informed by people who supposedly know that I am boring. Boring. Stodgy stayed old fashioned now this is a rhetorical technique here 
where I am expanding on the original point for effect uh, because I don't think that I'm boring. But I guess, you know, it could be it could be one of those, you know, right said Fred parodies, right? I'm too boring for the tube, too boring for the bird, right? I'm told for a particular age group, particular demographic, I'm not entertaining enough. Well, okay, that's fine. Sometimes I don't entertain myself, but what are you going to do? Hello, Keely Chow in the chat. Welcome. Good to see you here as well. And I I wanted to, uh, yeah, yeah, we were going to take a break. And we, we didn't have shows planned. And uh, then things started to unfold on various different social media posts and different sites and whatnot. And... I thought, well, you know, it's if if we don't talk about it, it's going to be a missed opportunity. And so we're back for a week prior to the new year. And this actually works out because what this will end up doing, if we go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday will end up being our 350th episode of this show. It's a nice round number for ending the year. So we're going to do 350 shows. And then we'll come back in January with 351. Let me go go through a couple of things just for some housekeeping stuff. Good Morning Multiverse will not be on this coming Saturday because it's New Year's. It's going to be back on January the 8th. Foreign Bodies will be back on the 8th. And the H2O Podcast will be back on the 10th. This show will be back on January 3rd with our usual first Monday of the month Money Talk episode. And then on January 4th, we've got uh, cast and crew coming in from the horror anthology Monsters in the Closet. So all of that is lined up, ready to go. So something to look forward to. Now tomorrow on the program... We're going to be talking about the Billion Dollar Spider, Spider-Man No Way Home, crossing a billion dollars in 11 days. We are going to have the president of Comscore here tomorrow, uh, and we're going to be talking about that that particular event, uh, especially here in in the time of the pandemic. We're going to look at what it what it takes uh, and, and what it means because crossing a billion dollars in this time when we're all supposed to be in fear and loathing of each other and not supposed to get out anywhere, then something didn't quite take, I don't think. So, uh, Paul DeGarbadian, uh, I, 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 I know I'm going to have to get this right because he's going to be on the show tomorrow and he's the president of Comscore. Comscore does a lot of box office analysis. Durgabidian, I think. He's going to be here tomorrow. We're going to talk to Paul. And then on Wednesday, we've got invitations out for a panel discussion on the Matrix Resurrections. So we're going to be talking about that because there is a lot of discussion online about that movie. There's a lot of people who like it, a lot of people who don't like it. There doesn't seem to be very much in between. 
And the people who are enjoying it are, I think, coming around after multiple viewings and they're realizing that there is more in the layers of this film than originally are uh, evident. The more you watch it, the more you take away from it that maybe this thing is so meta and so so much a commentary on itself and the nature of what it is in the context of overall Hollywood politics and machinations, I think there's something there that, uh, that definitely needs to be addressed and discussed because it says something not just about Hollywood, but it says something about us. And, and so we're going to be doing a panel discussion, hopefully on Wednesday, about the Matrix Resurrection. So that's, that's going on this week. In the meantime, as I'm going through the socials and I'm cleaning out email and I'm looking at various different posts online, I was not paying that much attention to Worldcon. That was going on this past week at uh, Discon 3 in Washington, D.C. And it appears that Discon 3, aside from having organizational challenges, let's say, aside from the fact that they lost their host hotel by when it went bankrupt and they had to scramble for another one, aside from losing people what in charge and getting new people what in charge because other people got upset about people what in charge doing something insensitive or brainless or whatever... Discon 3 has been a mess. Worldcon 2021 has not been one for the history books in any kind of positive sense. Now, Hugo Awards aside, I find it very interesting that most of the drama does not center around the Hugo Awards this year. Now, there's a little bit. We'll get to that. But... There are a few issues that have cropped up with regard to Worldcon. I want to take a look at a few of those things. Because there's... Because I face a personal dilemma, professional dilemma, with regard to Worldcon 2022. And I'm going to get into that here in a little bit too. As soon as I can figure out how to get my earbuds to stop grabbing my collar... My collar is trying to pull my earbuds out of my ear. All right. First world problems, I guess, right? And that's kind of what we're looking at here with regard to Worldcon. It is, it is well, uh, now I take it back. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re retract that. It's not first world problems. It's every world problem. It's an accessibility problem to, to start with. This has been brewing, and apparently this has been a subject of some consternation and a lot of conversation online over the week. And I want to start, I want to bring in here uh, this blog from writer Mari Ness, who is a science fiction writer. 
and was going to attend Worldcon, and it looks like she didn't. She's in a wheelchair, and her experience even getting the plan in place to attend has been riddled with difficulty and goes back to previous World Cons and other events, other Comic Cons, where accessibility continues apparently to be a problem. Now, I'm going to go right here off the bat on the record, and I'm going to suggest that you, if you are organizing any kind of convention, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be a science fiction convention or a comic book convention, any kind of convention, there needs to be a wheelchair lane. Put some way in on the floor and around various different places and points of access where people in wheelchairs and scooters can navigate easily. I mean, that's just common sense and respect, is it not? From the blog, this is December 21st. Her headline, Are We Really Doing This Again? Discon 3 Accessibility and Genre Cons. Discon 3 turned out to be my worst world con ever. One of my worst genre events ever. And I didn't even go. And she goes through all the way back to 2015. Now this is six years. She says, back in 2015, I went to the World Fantasy Convention in Saratoga. Now the World Fantasy Convention is another one of those literary conventions that's not a comic con, it's not a Hollywood con, it's writers and editors and publishers in a very, very prestigious literary convention. The World Fantasy Convention. Unfortunately, the convention did not provide ramps to the stages where I was on panels. This was upsetting. My tweets about it were widely shared. A couple of genre zines and io9.com shared the story. When I came home, I posted a new personal pledge on my blog stating that I would no longer attend conventions that did not have an accessibility statement and did not have ramps to the stage. Now, if you're in a wheelchair and you can't get to where you need to go, this is a problem. Right? One would think, one could argue, that's a problem. If you can't get where you need to go. Continuing here. A couple of days later, Mary Robinette Kowal posted a similar pledge on her blog without mentioning me or what had happened. Her post was shared by John Scalzi. In a few days, this was known as Mary Robinette's Accessibility Pledge. It spread widely. I did not feel great about this, but I told myself the important thing was to have accessible cons, and Mary Robinette had much bigger platform than I did and do. I complained privately to some friends and then moved on. <clears throat> and then she's talking about her experience at the 2019 Worldcon in Dublin, where apparently the airline broke her wheelchair and they had to provide her with another one. And then apparently something happened and somebody had to provide her with a second replacement and it was too wide. And if you're in a manual wheelchair and you're having to push yourself around in a chair that's too wide for you, apparently this caused some problems and injured her shoulder. And then 
COVID hit. <clears throat> Talking about DISCON, which was the 2021 event in Washington, D.C., they had heard about my wheelchair experiences and were very sympathetic. They assured me that DISCON would be focused on accessibility and welcoming to members. At this point, DISCON knew that they would be using the Omni Shoreham Hotel as a secondary hotel because their original hotel went bankrupt and could not be available for the show. <clears throat> I listened, nodded, but privately thought I probably would not go. And then COVID hit. I checked the website. It promised that Discon was absolutely 100% committed to providing an inclusive, accessible experience for everyone. We'll circle back to that. Exactly what volunteers had told me. A little bit later on here. I'm not going to rehash all the difficulties DISCON had in the run-up to this convention. Others have already done this elsewhere. And that's all of that other mess with regard to chairpersons, Hugo organizers, massive amounts of staff turnover, very public, very ugly, a lot of hand-wringing and pearl-clutching and neener-neenering and canceling and all of that. Uh, continuing here. In early July 2021, however, Mary Robinette Kowal, who parenthetically here, let me let me let me put some context here because Mary Robinette Kowal is currently the president of the Science Fiction Fantasy Writers of America. And when she was put in as the replacement chair for Discon, there were a number of people that looked sideways at this and questioned whether or not this was ethical to do. Keep that in mind. It doesn't really factor into this part. But when you have a perceived conflict of interest, then people are starting to prime the pump to look for other things about which they can complain. <clears throat> that happens. <clears throat> All right, continuing here. Um... Early July 2021, Mary Robinette Kowal was brought on board as the main con chair, and things started to look hopeful. Apart from being a multiple Hugo Award finalist and winner, Mary Robinette had successfully pivoted the 2020 Nebulas from a live to virtual event in crunch time to great acclaim. She had also helped lead and organize writing excuses workshops for years, had attended multiple previous world cons, had deep roots with the volunteer community and SFF genre writers. I agreed with the consensus that she was a great pick to lead DISCON, a trusted SFF professional with the relevant experience. <clears throat> that belief faced a slight setback. See, there's always a however. That belief faced a slight setback when, in August 2021, I found out that Frameworks Workshop was holding a writer's workshop in Iceland. Although committed to a creating a safe, inclusive, and accessible experience, was held at a facility that was not wheelchair accessible or ADA compliant. Mary Robinette was one of the instructors. Now, for the record, <clears throat> I, I could have my civics classes wrong, 
and and somebody should probably check me on this, but the ADA is the uh, uh, Americans with Disabilities Act, which is a law in the United States, not Iceland. For anyone, and I don't care who you are, for anyone to expect facilities and events outside the United States to be compliant with the American Disabilities Act is a little unrealistic. Now, wheelchair access, handicap access, all of that kind of thing, absolutely. That needs to be a thing that is taken into consideration. But you can't expect an event in Iceland, a facility in Iceland, to be compliant with an American law. That's not how it works. I digress. So as we're going through this blog here, <clears throat> Mari Ness is seeing indications that Discon is about to become what we say in professional circles, a mess. In terms of accessibility, in terms of not just wheelchair access, but in one particular place, in a panel, they were, they were having issues because they had to have a microphone in order to set up closed captioning for hearing impaired folks, and they only had one microphone in the room, and they were going to have to pass it back and forth. And somebody mistook that and misunderstood that, saying well, there aren't going to be accessibility things. And Mary Robinette was like... No, the room is on the main floor. Anybody in a wheelchair can walk right, can, can roll right in there. But you're passing around a microphone, a single microphone, handheld microphone, among various different people. And for better or worse, your mileage may vary, a majority of people that attend the Worldcon are of a mind. And they are going to be particularly concerned with regard to COVID. So this idea of passing around a handheld microphone from one person to another to another is automatically just inherently going to cause people to shiver and, and worry. How can you do this in the time of COVID? Do you understand? Well, you've got your mask on. That should save you, right? The idea here of accessibility and being able to get in, this became this has become a, a point of discussion. In the aftermath of Worldcon, the problems of people not being able to get where they need to go. Whether it's wheelchair lifts, elevators, uh, specific pathways that are set aside for people in wheelchairs and scooters and maybe with walkers. This kind of thing is a concern. And for it, really, I mean, politics aside, folks, this is a matter of consideration for your fellow human being 
If you don't have a plan, if you're an organizer for an event and you don't have a plan for physically handicapped people, you're doing it wrong. There needs to be a plan. And this needs to be something that is planned for and anticipated well ahead of schedule so that you can, one, communicate your plan to people who are potentially going to attend your event, and in the paperwork for anybody who's signing up for a membership or an attendance and buying a ticket or whatever, there needs to be a way that they can clearly communicate to you, hey, I have... A wheelchair, a scooter. I need I need particular access that people don't necessarily always need. I need to be able to park near a ramp. Those kind of things. And if you're an organizer and if you've got people on your panel that are going to be in wheelchairs, do your homework, do your due diligence, do your research ahead of time. Say, oh, hey, we're going to have a panel where somebody's going to be in a wheelchair participating in the panel, we should probably plan for that. I, it boggles my mind. And yet it doesn't. And yet it doesn't surprise me at all that something like this would happen at a Worldcon. Because <coughs> there are certain people in this world who go to great lengths to express their concern and support for various different groups of people, whether they're marginalized or not, taken advantage of or not, disenfranchised or not, people who don't have the privileges that other people have. There are a lot of people who talk the talk. There are a lot of people who's, who, who, who talk a good game. And that's all they do. I, I read a thread over the weekend, and this is not anything related to this, but the lament was, with regard to the city of San Francisco, why is San Francisco in such a mess? We spend all of this money. We have one of the most liberal governments, social programs. Why do we have so many homeless and so many drug addicts and so much crime and poverty? What, what happened? It's because a lot of people say nice things and they think that those platitudes are all they need to fix things. And it's not all you need to fix things. You need a plan. You need a plan to anticipate. You need a plan in case there are problems. You need a plan. Hello, Dipensak. Good to see you. 
You need a plan for all of the different contingencies. What happens if somebody doesn't show up? What happens if too many people show up? What happens if somebody somebody with a single somebody somebody who's got their got one leg? What if they show up? It's not just wheelchairs and, and scooters. What kind of accessibility do you give to people who are visually impaired? What are you doing for the people who are hearing impaired? That's right. Plan your plan. Something that Mrs. Boss and I have talked about on a number of occasions, and this is one of the first things that she learned about me when getting involved in all of this, which actually was at a Worldcon. I have said on a number of occasions to a number of people, always have a plan A, always have a plan B, and be ready to implement plan C, or D or E or F, because at some point, something is going to go wrong. What do you do in those situations when something comes up and you haven't anticipated that something? Now... You can have a plan for something, and if it never happens, great. It is better to be prepared for something awful. It is better to be prepared for a challenging set of circumstances and not ever need those plans than it is to find yourself in those circumstances without a plan to deal with it. If this happens, what do we do? And if it never happens, you're ahead of the game. But, at least they made sure everyone knew not to make a bunch of noise about who's in your bathroom. Right? Because that matters. And then... I don't know which one to do next, because there have been... A couple of things. I tell you, here's what I'm going to do next. We're going to take a real quick break. When we get back, the China problem and the Raytheon problem. I think we'll do uh, uh, we'll do Raytheon next. Stand by. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Hi everyone, Jason Hunt here, inviting you to join us every Saturday for news, science fiction, fantasy, and horror headlines from the week. Plus, interviews, updates on events going on around the world, and the weather forecast for the same. It's all wrapped up in one neat package for your weekend. We call it Good Morning Multiverse. Every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, right here on Sci-Fi for Me TV.
Back live from the bunker, Jason Hunt here. The rock and roll. I have a question. My question is, if you are one of the people who has a problem with an event, if you have an issue, what do you do? Do you find a volunteer and do you sit there and say, hey, I, I, have, I, have a, I have a concern, I have an issue, I have a problem? And for those of you who volunteer at events, what do you do when somebody comes to you and says, hey, um, there's a problem? How do you address it? What have the organizers said? This is what we do to address the problem if it comes up. See, that's another part of this whole communications chain. If you have people at the top who have a plan and you don't communicate the plan to your volunteers, then you get something like what Mary Ness ran into in Dublin where she's got too wide of a wheelchair in order to manually move herself around and goes to a volunteer and says, hey, do you have another wheelchair that I could use? And the volunteer rather indifferently says, no. The correct response is, I don't know the answer to that, but let me find out. Let me find out. Let me ask someone for you. It's called consideration. It's called respect. Hey, I'm going into anaphylactic shock. Do I have a place to sit down? Let me find let me find out. Let me find out something. Let me ask. I will find the answer. Now, apparently, it doesn't seem like anybody had a real good answer when people came up with the possibility that there was a problem when, oh my, who sponsored this event? Discon 3 in Washington, D.C., apparently had a couple of sponsors, corporate sponsors for this event, one of them being Google, the other one being Raytheon Intelligence and Space, a division of Raytheon Corporation. And Raytheon apparently... <coughs> their presence rubbed some people the wrong way. People are like, these are warmongers. They make weapons. Why are they sponsors of the Hugo Awards? Well, Raytheon is involved in the space program. Aren't they? Don't they make don't they make rockets and stuff that we use in our space technology and such? I mean, it's right there in the name, Raytheon Intelligence and Space. 
I would say that they're probably part of the space program and pff, color me ignorant, but if you've got a science fiction convention and science fiction involves a number of stories that take place in space, I don't know. I'd take Raytheon's money. These events are not free. These events don't happen in a vacuum. They're not just somebody puts this stuff together and says, hey, let's put on a show. It doesn't happen that way. It costs money to put these things together. It costs a lot of money for some of these events. Hello, Cam. Good to see you in the chat. But apparently Raytheon is the wrong think corporation this time around, and they... I guess they're the Stark Industries, right? They make bombs. They make weapons. They make rockets. They're evil. But, but, but Raytheon did this whole, this whole thing about diversity and inclusion and equity and everything. I mean, they're on board with all of this. So... It should be okay, right? Or is it only okay in a certain acceptable way? Only certain companies are permitted to be okay. I guess is that how is that how it works? Do we gatekeep? that deeply the noise apparently was so much that Mary Robinette Kowal who again there was a question of whether or not she should even be the chair of the convention but of course it's kind of at the point where she's the only one who's willing to do it she gets the job nobody else wanted to do it and so she has to address the noise and the blowback over Raytheon's sponsorship of the event. And so she does this very, very, very long falling all over herself mea culpa. Now, Mary Robinette has been on this program. I have interviewed her. She's been on here a couple of times talking about the situation with Disney and Alan Dean Foster and various different other people that have not been paid for their tie-in work since Disney bought 20th Century Fox. And that's still an ongoing thing with the science fiction and fantasy writers of America and Disney. And Mary Robinette and I have had good conversations. I, 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 I'm not going to cast any aspersions on her personally, but I think that this apology such as it is, is a little mealy mouth, pearl clutching. We, we can't tick off the wrong people. I'm so sorry for being a wrong think person. Please don't unperson me. The amount of groveling in this letter is disheartening. <clears throat> reading from the statement 
on Discon 3 sponsorship. This is on Discon 3's website. The decision tree that led us to this point is filled with branches that sound like excuses for my own culpability. At the root of it is simply that in accepting funding from Raytheon Intelligence and Space and partnering with them for the members' red carpet event, I was wrong. That choice has caused harm and damage to people, the finalists who were unaware, the people in our communities, the members and staff of Worldcon who trusted me to make good choices. I am sorry that I let you all down. Okay, I'm going to pause there for a moment. I'm going to ask, what damage was done? You got your feelings hurt? You got your panties in a twist? Did that harm you? Okay, maybe. But damage? You're damaged because a corporate entity, a business... Put money into an event. It's a marketing expense. They don't care about you. Raytheon does not care about Discon. Raytheon says, oh wait, the Hugo Awards? That's still a thing? Okay, yeah, we'll put some money into the event because it puts our name out in front of everybody in Washington, D.C., Raytheon does not care about the Hugo Awards. Raytheon does not care about Worldcon. Raytheon does not care about the science fiction and fantasy writers of America, and they don't care about you. They don't care about your blue check marks. They don't, well, depending on the month, they'll, they'll care. But again, that's a marketing and pandering decision that is not a personal consideration we think you have value decision. For Raytheon to sit here and decide to put money into corporate sponsorship of Discon 3, that's a business decision. That's a marketing expense. That's a write-off on their taxes. And that's all that matters to them. That's all they care about. That's all any of these corporate sponsors will care about. What does it do for our bottom line? Does it put our name out in the public in a positive way? Will we benefit? Well, hey, the Hugo Awards, look at their award. It's a rocket ship. We make rockets. Two plus two is four. Let's give them money. I will 99% guarantee you that Raytheon doesn't even know what the Hugo Awards are. Except maybe in the abstract. Oh, it's an award for science fiction. Okay. And in the aftermath of this... There are people putting out press releases and, and news, news articles actually trying to convince you, actually trying to put forth the notion that the Hugo Award is the Nobel Prize of science fiction literature. Give me a break. For the longest time, it was considered, it was, it was, it was considered maybe the Oscar of the science fiction literary world, but... But is it really? 
it's had all of this prestige over the years. And this thing is older than the hills. The Hugo Awards has a storied history. It has a legacy. And it used to mean something. Now, not so much. But stop and consider just how important the Hugo Awards are. That these people are, are pearl-clutching because Raytheon Technologies, Raytheon Intelligence in Space, sponsored an event. What's this? This is blood money, folks. How dare they? And how dare Worldcon take money from a business to help cover their expenses for their event? Now, Discon was already in a world of hurt. You, you, we've seen stories about how disorganized and discombobulated and how everything is almost about to fall apart. This event almost didn't happen. At least... That's my impression from some of the stories that I read. Google comes in. Are we not have a problem with Google giving them money? Google's okay. Do we have a list of wrong think corporations and right think corporations? It's okay to take money from these companies, but not from these companies. I mean, money is money is money, right? My money spends just as well as Bernie Sanders' money. He has more than I do. He's likely going to spend it on different things from what I would spend my money on. But his money and my money, they're both green, at least for now. From the statement from Mary Robinette Kowal, Discon 3 is making an anonymous contribution to an organization dedicated to peace, equal to the amount we receive from Raytheon. So, okay, we have an expense. It costs us this much money to put on this event. And now it's going to cost us more because we're essentially taking what Raytheon has given us and acting as a pass-through and giving it to somebody else, which means... We don't have that money to spend on our own expenses. How, how is that a good idea? Now, I, I get it. You're going to make, you want to make a donation to some, some nonprofit organization? Fine. More power to you. But do it because you want to do it. Not because you're trying to put Band-Aid on a, on a problem here because of the hue and cry from the purple hair people eaters. For the past several days, we have read your comments in email and on social media. Thank you for sharing them with us and trusting that you would be heard and taken seriously. Your honesty and sincerity are what make our community a better place. I hate that word. Community. Because it, it, it implies a set of shared values that may not necessarily be the shared values. It may not necessarily reflect what I think about things. 
community is this mamby-pamby, feel-good hokum. It's what got us, it's, it's, it's what, it's why San Francisco is what, the way it is. Hello, Radio Retro Future. Good to see you there. None of your business in the chat also. Good to have you both as well. Now, there is a suggestion here from Mary Robinette, and, and I, would, I would say that this was probably not a bad idea. Future con runners can avoid our mistakes by developing a sponsorship policy for your organization that reflects the values and concerns of our community. Read that to being your policy should be acceptable to anybody that's going to complain about it. This is let's make your event cancel culture resistant by making sure that all of our policies line up with whatever it is that you're going to complain about. And let's make sure you don't complain about it. Creating a robust plan for doing due diligence on potential sponsors in order... Okay, so let's make sure they're not wrong-think companies. Creating a mission and value statement against which to measure actions. Okay, so this is the one I have a problem with because Worldcon every year is run by a completely different group of people. Completely different group of people in whatever city is going to be hosting next. And so if you're going to create a mission statement or a vision of whatever it is, the standards by which you're going to measure your corporate sponsors and whatever money that comes in, those values are going to be different with every group, aren't they? Shouldn't the Worldcon committee draft some sort of corporate uh, corporate sponsorship policy and not leave it up to the individual conventions that are hosting Worldcon? I mean, that would at least give you some consistency. I mean, sure, it's going to be based on pearl-clutching, blue-hair checkmark policy anyway, but at least it's going to be consistent. Speaking of which... Worldcon 2023 is going to be held in Chengdu, China. And there are a lot of people who are not too thrilled about this. Because China. Hello, Mazarus. Good to see you in the chat as well. Good to have you here. So, <coughs> the, the votes... For the uh, the votes for the um, site selection for 2023. Now, 2022 is going to be in Chicago, and that's an, that's another thing that I'm going to circle back to here in a minute. But 2023 is going to be China. It's the first time that China is going to be hosting the Worldcon. They've had some smaller events. They've had some some fan driven things uh, in in country. But this is the this is the Worldcon. This is the first time it's been in China, and everybody thinks this is a big deal. Not necessarily for the right reasons, because people are rather upset about China hosting the Worldcon. Not the least of which, how they're treating Muslims and putting them into concentration camps. And 
it's interesting to see how the votes shook out because the requirement for voting on uh, the Worldcon site selection, it's an additional fee to pay for access to be able to do this. It's an add-on to the membership. Now, the memberships allow you to vote in the Hugo Awards. This is an additional fee that you pay in order to be able to vote on the site selection. And <clears throat> the way this shook out, apparently there's some question as to how exactly these votes happened and whether or not these votes are all valid. Wait, what? This is the way the ballot shook out. The total number of votes for Chengdu, China, 2006. Winnipeg came in second with a total of 807 votes. And I know that at one point somebody had written in to, to the vote, you know, the write-in on the ballot, your mother's house. I would be perfectly fine being at my mother's house. I haven't been able to go back home and visit for a while. That's going to change. Uh, none of your business asks. I'm not very into cons and whatnot, so I think I'm out before I go. Is one of the shows on this channel more like movie reviews and such? If we don't have a specific review show. It does come up in conversation. We do have reviews on our Saturday morning program, Good Morning Multiverse. Uh, tomorrow we will be talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. And on Wednesday, we're going to be talking about the Matrix Resurrections. So it comes and goes. And we've got some ideas for some things going into 2022 that uh, you'll probably like. That'll be a little bit more aligned. This show generally covers just whatever topics come up at, at the time. Uh, so it's a, it's a smorgasbord. A smorgasbord. It's a variety show. Uh, that in the H2O podcast, we talk about a number of different topics here. And a lot of times we'll have guests on this program. We'll do interviews. So, all right. Uh, it really enjoyed your take on Midnight's Edge. Well, thank you very much. I enjoyed my take on Midnight's Edge too, because a lot of people starting to come around and agree with me. ma ha 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 I kid, I kid. Look, the the Matrix, the Matrix Resurrections for a lot of people, I think, is going to be an acquired taste. And I will, uh, I will leave that at that. Saw renditions of it in other places. Yeah, I uh, I caught uh, I caught Comics Division's uh, chat, uh, their show uh, with um, uh, Culture Casino was on there with Tom from Midnight's Edge and they were talking about some of the different points that I had made. So uh, I have to give kudos and props to Culture Casino. He sat through and watched Matrix Resurrections a second time because he told me he would. And he still doesn't like it, and I respect that. Uh, but he did, he did see some of the points that I had made. So uh, I think... I think it's one of those things where on further viewing, people are going to start seeing the various different layers. And we're going to talk about that on Wednesday. 
I'm hoping to get a fairly good panel uh, together for that. Uh, but anyway, okay, so back back to site selection here. 2006 people voted for China. There was a total of 2,838 votes, people expressing a specific preference for the site selection. The Worldcon, the World Science Fiction Society, the prestigious Hugo Awards. How many, how many billion people are on this planet right now? And 2,800 people voted for site selection for the next Worldcon. <clears throat> are you going to try to make the argument to me that Worldcon still matters? It matters to these people. It matters to these, you know, four or 5,000 people that show up, whether they're in person or online. But it doesn't matter to anybody else. It doesn't matter to Raytheon. It doesn't matter to China. And there are a lot of people that are speculating about how this happened. Because the requirement includes you've got to have an address on the form you fill out. And a number of the votes coming from China had an email address, but not an actual address. So are these votes even valid? And who paid for the supporting memberships to allow them to vote? That's, that's the next question. There's a blog from Gary McGath. I don't know who he is, but his headline, China Buys 2023 Worldcon. There are a lot of people upset that China's going to host a Worldcon, folks. Reading from his blog, the 2023 World Science Fiction Convention will be in China, a country notorious for suppressing dissent, persecuting minorities, restricting communication, and monitoring its citizens. Worldcon sites are selected among bidders by members of an earlier Worldcon, as just happened at Discon. It appears that the selection was the result of a large number of votes sent in from China from people who purchased supporting memberships. In other words, China bought the Worldcon. These are his words. I'm just reading them. Science fiction is the realm of speculation, exploration of ideas, and examination of alternatives. The idea of a Worldcon in such a repressive nation is absurd. Hopefully few fans in free countries will have any interest in this charade and they'll sit it out. It's appropriate that one of the guests is Robert J. Sawyer, whose hominids presents a rather sympathetic view of the surveillance state. I've seen predictions that membership will hit five figures or even six. The overwhelming majority will presumably be Chinese. This is far larger than any Worldcon in history. The biggest ones have been around 10,000. A fan-run convention can't scale up that much and keep its community character. There's that word again. This will likely be more like a Comic-Con, with members being treated more like consumers than participants. Don't expect freewheeling, uncensored discussions at the panels. Many fans are concerned how it will all turn out. Among them, 
This is over at the Straight Dope message board. There are people that are expressing their concerns over China being a host of a world con. Uh, this is Zarcasm, a charter member over here. Now, again, I have... I have a quandary with a lot of these people hiding behind usernames and avatars. I get it. Some of these people want to keep their anonymity. So grains of salt with that caveat, let's dive in. I first got wind that China was going to put in a bid for the 2023 Worldcon back when I attended Worldcon 74 in 2016. The Chengdu Bid Committee put out a presentation, then took questions, and people asked about the civil rights of sexual minorities who attended and were told the convention itself had no discrimination policy, which didn't address, address what the government itself might or might not do. And that's a very valid concern. The, Communist China, the Chinese Communist Party is very, very strict and very rigid and very repressive and dogmatic. And if you don't agree and don't toe the line, you could end up in prison or shot or in a concentration camp, depending on what your faith is. It's a concern for a lot of these people. And here's here's another one, broomstick. Even if Worldcon doesn't care about those issues, the Chinese government very much does. There's no way the Chinese government is going to suspend their laws and policies for that convention. Here's another one. In conjunction with their rise as an economic superpower, China is now seeking respect on the world stage by hosting events like this and, of course, mega events like the 2008 Summer Olympics and next year's Winter Olympics. And they're doing this while endeavoring to maintain an archaic culture and barbaric human and animal rights abuses. The concept of using money to buy respect is as old as history itself and was famously perfected by the kingpins of organized crime. And then they threaten retaliation against any nation that has a problem with this. This is not going to end well. There are a lot of people who are concerned about this. And when you stop and consider just how big China is, and if China's got their foot in the door of Worldcon and site selection, who's to say that Worldcon doesn't ever escape China? Steve Davidson over at Amazing Stories. Now, this is a name you may remember, Blast from the Past. Steve, Steve and, and uh, we had uh, a little bit of arrangement. We posted the H2O podcast over there for a while on his Amazing Stories. But Steve Davidson went off the deep end into the crazy during the Sad Puppies era. And he was one of those that was very much against what the Sad Puppies were trying to do uh, and got rather vocal about it and rather nasty about it. 
And he's got concerns here about China. Why a Chengdu Worldcon should be a Ching don't. Ah, that's clever. Um, <clears throat> he says, okay, we went through the largely unnecessary letter of concern regarding the Jeddah Saudi Arabia Worldcon bid, and we talked about that in a previous installment here on this show because the concerns about Saudi Arabia having a bid for Worldcon raised a lot of hackles. A lot of people were concerned because... Civil rights issues, right? Human rights issues. <clears throat> that was a concern. It was a big thing. Uh, retro, uh, Radio Retro Future. Now I'm wondering if any of the attendants will become part of their hostage <laughs> diplomacy. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. Uh, and, you know, the blue hairs that decide to attend getting arrested or something, none of your business. That's that's a concern. That's one of the things that they're talking about here, because how many how many people <clears throat> are in this particular community? Now, I'm not talking about science fiction fandom in general. I'm talking about the literary world con folks who probably spell it with an X. There's a lot of marginalized groups, let's say. And this is what the sad puppies were talking about when they made all of their noise. It's not the fact, and, and, and people mistake, misrepresent, mischaracterize, lie about what the sad puppies were about. Larry Correa, Brad Torgerson, Sarah Hoyt, all that group, they, when they did these campaigns, they did this in order to point a, a spotlight on the fact that story was being trumped by identity. It wasn't, we hate women. It wasn't, we hate blacks. It was, tell a good story. Don't give this an award just because it was written by a black person, just because it was written by a homosexual or a transgender or a woman or a Chinese or whatever. Identity shouldn't matter if your story is good. That should be the determining factor whether or not it wins an award. And, you know, here, have a wooden asterisk. And this whole thing got, you know, completely blown up in the media that these people were racist, bigots, sexist, homophobe, and that wasn't what it was about. Because the people that were being nominated for Hugos on the Sad Puppies lists were from everywhere. From all walks of life. All kinds of backgrounds. And nationalities. And race and gender and all of that. They said, here's a good story. It should get an award. And that year... 2016 or 2015 is when when this happened you can I don't know if it's still online or not but they celebrated giving all of these categories no award because they were nominated by the wrong people and then they sit there and they get on their high horse and they say oh no we're not an exclusionary he-man woman haters club we're not we're not like that how dare you try to be part of our club? Go away, you terrible, terrible person who doesn't agree with our politics. 
And then the Hugos became about politics and it became about personal ideologies rather than the quality of the craft of the storytelling. And now, those same people, those same people have the audacity, have the gall, have the nerve to express concerns about a repressive regime, an exclusionary regime, a you-agree-with-us-or-else regime. But I suppose, on the other hand, it's good that they recognize that this can be a thing because this shows that the sad puppies were right. It is about being in the right group because now there's this concern that the Chinese are going to take over Worldcon. It's a very real concern. It's a valid concern. Who paid for those supporting memberships? And why were they accepted? Why were those votes accepted when they didn't meet all of the criteria for a valid vote? I mean, voting's kind of easy to do, right? I mean, you just fill in a piece of paper and you mail it in. Hang on. It seems I've heard this song before. Have we have we danced this dance before? The concern about the validity of certain votes? But see now, now it's a concern. Because now we're talking about the Chinese and we're talking about how the Chinese treats homosexuals, transgender. I mean, aside from the fact that they put Muslims in concentration camps just over the hill, hop, skip and a jump away from where Disney is shooting Mulan. Does this indicate, does this crack open the door for some of these people to realize how hypocritical they are and to realize that it's not about ideology. It shouldn't be about ideology. It shouldn't be about whose ideology is more valid, it should be about who's got the best story. Who's got the best book? Who's got the best short story? Who's got the best television show? This is a regime in China which is very much of a piece as the regime in North Korea. And you probably have heard, we've talked about it here, you heard what North Korea did with regard to the TV show Squid Game which is produced in South Korea, North Korea apparently has a law that forbids 
particular types of media in country. Squid Game falls into that category, and it was smuggled in at the behest of a few high schoolers. The one what made the arrangement gets a life sentence in prison. The other kids who just watched also are getting punished, and the man who smuggled the show in is going to be put to death. That's the kind of regime when we're talking about North Korea and we're talking about China. It is a concern. It's a valid concern. It's a very, very valid concern. Nine Your Business asks, is it akin to what the CCP did to that Seth Rogen movie a while back? It's, it's along the lines in terms of the ideology, yes. If you don't toe the line, if you don't toe the party line, if you don't, if you don't say the right things, what, this, what the party tells you to say, you suffer consequences. Aside from the fact, also consider that China is one of the places where we already have the social media strategy, the social media stratification and class warfare. If your social media point score is not the right level or amount, or you're not the right right-think person, If your social score is such, you don't get to travel. If your social score is such, you don't get to vote. You don't get to buy a steak. You don't get to go to the movies. You don't get that privilege and that privilege and that privilege. Because your social media score is too low. Because you're the wrong kind of person thinking the wrong kind of things. And there are people who would welcome the same kind of thing here. And a lot of them belong to the World Science Fiction Society. Except now, now it matters because China's going to host a world con. A lot of these people, not all of them, maybe not even a majority of them, but a lot of these people should feel right at home in the land of an oppressive regime where you must agree with them or else because that's how world con treats people. But, you know, as long as Raytheon doesn't sponsor the event, I guess we'll be okay. Now, I also want to look very quickly at these numbers. I want you to stop and consider the total number of ballots cast for Best Novel in the Hugo Awards, 2,362. At the time of the Sad Puppies campaigns, this number was north of 5,000. The Hugo Awards don't matter, folks. Not anymore. Not like they used to. 
and they are certainly not the Nobel Prize of science fiction literature. And I've even seen a couple of articles talking about how they're a populist vote. They're not. You have to pay for a membership in order to vote on the Hugos. The nominations... 674 people have submitted nominations. 674 people. In a world with a population of billions. Worldcon does not matter to a majority of the planet Earth. It only matters to a certain number of people who think a certain way who demand that you believe the same as they do. And it's ironic that they have concerns over a Worldcon event being held in communist China. Now, that raises the last point here, my concern, my personal concern, with Worldcon 2022 being held in Chicago. Because Worldcon 2022 is going to be held in Chicago. And I face a personal dilemma here with this. Because on the one hand, it's Worldcon. And I'm in that same mentality as Raytheon. It's exposure. It gets our name in front of people. People will talk. That's kind of what the thinking was when we broadcast live from Worldcon when it was here in Kansas City back in 2016. This is a new thing, and a lot of people didn't really get it until a couple of days in, and they realized, hey, wait, you guys are broadcasting live? Can we do an interview? Yeah, sure, come on down. It's a marketing channel for them. <clears throat> it's exposure. It's, a, it's a, an opportunity to promote their work. Great, that's good for them. It's exposure for us ish in that the publicity people come in and they see that we're here we're a big media outlet we're not that big but comparatively speaking <clears throat> we've got a bigger reach than most of these people because a lot of them don't even have social media but the publicity people do the publishers do and i saw this as an opportunity hey maybe we get our name in front of people and those people that we interview put links out and share and say hey Sci-Fi for Me interviewed me. Go watch. They didn't. But one can always hope, right? And that leads me to the dilemma of Chicago. Because Chicago is only an eight-hour drive. It's manageable. We've been to C2E2 a couple of times. We've been to Chicago. We went to, to Star Wars Celebration when it was in Chicago. It's not a hard trip to make for us. But it's Chicago, and it's Worldcon. Worldcon doesn't really matter a whole lot, but it's an opportunity to do something with our channel that's unique, that's something that nobody's done, and should we cover Worldcon in Chicago? And then... There's the other consideration. COVID. Pandemic. The Wuhan flu. Whatever you want to call it. Mask up, vax up. 
have your QR code, papers please, in order to get access. At that point, I think this is happening in August of 2022, there's no way to know for sure, one way or the other, what the city of Chicago is going to look like at that time with regard to any kind of health policies. We know that the vaccines don't do exactly what they say they do. By that time, we should be up to our eighth or ninth booster. And it's a lot, a lot of it is politically driven, more than it is driven by health science. And I have arbitrarily made the decision without really consulting anybody, this is totally on me, I have decided that Sci-Fi for Me will not attend events that require proof of vaccination. I'm not going to support a paper-please mentality anywhere where we have an opportunity to attend. We're just not going to. Now, some people here have questioned me about that. I think it's a very partisan decision on my part. And partisan politics doesn't have anything to do with it. It has to do with the fact that we are giving up freedoms in this country. It's a principled decision, not a partisan decision. But But it leaves me in a quandary. Do we change that policy and try to broadcast live from Chicago for Worldcon? Because we're the only ones that have ever done it. We're the only ones that have ever done it in the history of Worldcon. Now, they have broadcast the Hugos before. They've live-streamed the Hugos, but they have not live-streamed from the event the way we have. And you can find that playlist on our YouTube channel. It's a dilemma. Is it worth the effort? Is it worth having a conversation with the organizers? Because a lot of people are sitting there saying, hey, you know... This this thing with the pandemic, a lot of these events, and I have talked to a number of people about conventions and about the pivot that they've got to make with regard to in-person or virtual. What are your options going to be? Because it's ve- it's been very clear to me from the very beginning of all of this that events going forward are going to have to have some kind of virtual component. They're going to have to figure out how to make that work. We've been doing it. We stand ready to assist events that are that are trying to get into that space. We know how to do it. We've done it. But is it worth the effort to do it from Worldcon in Chicago? I don't know. It's something we're going to have to think about. If you have thoughts about that, if you want to share your uh, opinions about uh, any anything that we talk about here. And then your business says, you just continue to be reasonable, sir. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. We do try to be reasonable here. There are occasions when I might say something that could get somebody a little bit out of shape. There have been conversations. Why did you say that? It doesn't happen very often. 
And they're good conversations to have. I don't expect the staff here or the audience to blindly follow and agree with everything that I say. We're not like some of the others out there. We don't block people. We're not going to dox you. You don't have to agree with everything that we say. We're just glad you're here. And that's going to do it for us here today, folks. Thanks very much for being here. Don't forget that we will be back full speed in some way, shape, or form in January. Uh, in the meantime, uh, feel free to find us on all of the different social media channels there. We've got plenty of them. We're not on Tumblr. We're not on TikTok. We're not on Snapchat. And I don't have any plans to be. <coughs> we're on a different uh, a number of video platforms not just youtube but also odyssey and rumble and twitch and we are planning to watch the princess bride on twitch at some point very soon we'll get there we'll get there uh, and then your business says, I'll watch a stream about it just to feel out cons maybe now, but if it's a question about standing on the principle of bodily autonomy, then surely you don't give them coverage. I'm leaning. I'm leaning. And I appreciate the feedback from everybody here. It's good to see everybody in the chat. Thanks very much for being here. Don't forget to hit the uh, thumbs up on your way out. Uh, and if you are not with us live, if you're seeing this in replay, uh, you can leave us a comment as well. Uh, you can always send us an email live from the bunker at sci fi for me.com. And uh, I do read everybody's notes. If you want to suggest a topic, suggest a guest, uh, you're certainly welcome to do that as well. And uh, just over in the playlist, WorldCon. Uh, Worldcon 2016, I think. Worldcon 78. Well, I, I, don't, I don't even know which Worldcon it was anymore. I think it was 70, 76. Worldcon 76, I think, is, is the one that we did. Uh, we've also done this same kind of thing at uh, Planet Comic Con in 2017. Uh, so those playlists are available uh, there for you to see. And um, we'll do this all again tomorrow. We will have... Uh, the president of Comscore here to talk about the billion-dollar spider. Spider-Man No Way Home crossing a billion dollars in 11 days. So we'll be talking about that, what it means for the box office, what it means for streaming services. And then on Wednesday, panel discussion of the Matrix Resur Resurrections. So join us for that. If you are new to the channel, we do invite you to subscribe. Have your notifications turned on for all of the different times we go live. We've got a number of shows here. Feel free to check them out. And to come back tomorrow, I will leave you with this note, this thought. And this is something that the, that the Worldcon people should take, it, take, it, take to heart. You reap what you sow. So keep your sunny side up. Never be cruel, always be kind. And remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.